This is a shortage that we didn't see coming due to the event, and Tim's going to tell us all about it. This is The Focus Group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hey, welcome to the Focus Group. John Nash here with Tim Bennett. Focusgroupradio.com is the URL for our website. And that's where all things Focus Group reside. Settling in, Tim. I had to get up and close the door behind me while the (laughs) the opening was going. Um, In our broadcast today, we're going to tackle a couple of things. The first is what caught our eye, including a piece that Tim's going to be talking about, about a shortage that I did not see coming and could cause people lots of consternation. We have a Criterion Sale Month disc giveaway on the deep discount read in the second half of our show we have business birthday and an article we're going to talk about that discusses the costs of long-term care and retirement something that a lot of us face not only for ourselves but for uh, loved ones and family members welcome to the show and welcome to the middle of september thank you mr nash yeah that that shop talk i was not happy about Oh, you and I will have I a lot figured, to say. Yeah, I figured that's on your radar, which we'll, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll get to at the end of the show, but I, I'm not prepared. <laughs> you know, um, as an aside, I always, many of us probably see in the news some of the uh, articles about the median amount of money that has been saved by most people for retirement. And the, the number fluctuates a bit, but it's usually in the $65,000 range. And there's an expectation that that's going to last you 20 or 30 years plus your Social Security benefit. And I just am like, whoa, what happens if like something like long-term care comes along where you are faced with expenses that you hadn't really not thought or anticipated you would be needing to do this for? So it, it's quite something, isn't it? Yeah. So at uh, this past weekend, El Presidente was in town, John. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that before we went on the air. You said that there was... Uh, People were everywhere buzzing around your town, right? Well, the, yeah, I heard the helicopters because, you know, you rarely hear these low-flying helicopters. So I, lo- I ran outside on, well, it was Friday, and I saw the Coast Guard helicopter fly over. And then I'd seen the black trucks kind of hovering around town. So, that you know, they bring in these Secret Service trucks with the black domes, I guess, for communication. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you ask people what's going on, and everybody plays stupid. I mean, obviously, you know what they are. They see U.S. government on them. They're just these black clandestine trucks, and then everybody hovering around town. And uh, nobody wants to say what's going on. So finally, some old lady with her her basket and her her bicycle and goes, Biden's on his way. <laughs> she, she, she's like, <laughs> she's the one that bread and her and her hydrangea in her basket and off she's going. And she's like, the one hey. in the know. She's in the know. Well, right? yeah, she was driving by his house. And I was like, well, of course he is. I mean, it's. <laughs> You know, but it's funny because a lot of people pretend it's not going on. It's like, really? But anyway, you last time we were down, um, you and uh, Richard drove us around to show us properties and communities and a bunch of other things there. And we saw the house. You said, oh, by the way, this this could someday be the summer or the uh, the alternative White House. And uh, it's a nice house. How big do you think that house is? It's probably um, so he's in an area called North Shores, which is an unincorporated part of Rehoboth. So he's in the county, quote yeah, unquote. Yeah. And of course, conveniently, right before they left office, he and uh, President Obama had designated his backyard federal um, 
protected wetlands or something. So nothing can be built there. He's got a beautiful mm -hmm. view to the ocean. But um, he bought the house from two lesbians, from what I understand, from, from PA, Bucks County, PA. But the neighborhood was nice. But yeah. I will tell you, um, we had gone through recently, and uh, because you can't get through there when he's there, obviously. But uh, when he's not there, you can kind of go through, although there is security all over the place. But um, boy, oh boy, in the last year, that neighborhood, woof. The people have really upped their game. I mean, the houses that are going up there now and the amount of improvements that have happened in the neighborhood are unbelievable. We were shocked what's going on there in a year. It's uh, well, next time you guys come down, we'll go through if he's not around. And uh, you'll, you'll also notice the change in the neighborhood. It's uh, it's gone from having some little teardown shacks to um, some magnificent homes. Well, the teardowns were the ones that I used to love because they were yeah, they the, had bungalows. the bungalows. They had character and they were more reflective of your community and, you know, what it meant to be at the beach back in the 50s and 60s, I guess, maybe the 70s as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what's happened all beach communities in the Northeast. It's, it's sadly, sadly, what's happened is you, you they've taken down a lot of the bungalows and uh, people put up these kind of little mansion things, which. I think have really taken the character away from all the beach communities for the most part, but and it's, it's hard a to yeah, and it's hard. Uh, well, you'll understand this now that you're a fully sworn in minted member of the uh, town council. Is no matter how you structure the zoning laws, somebody figures out a way to get around it. In yep. Bob's mother's old community, it was it was the footprint of the house could not be changed, so people just built up. Yeah. So you would take these small houses and add second and third floors to them, and they look like these weird kind of, you know, McMansion townhouses thing. And you're like, what the hell? And it was because of the zoning. And they, they, this is the way they got around the issue, right? Right. And then in Jersey, you put them on stilts because of the flooding, right? So then they, and, and they raised them up. And, and, and if you're going to rebuild in any of those shore communities, especially after Sandy or I guess Ida came through, you now have to elevate. Uh, it's it's uh, it's quite a number of feet off the ground, and if you have anything on the ground floor, it's something like a garage or something that you can't. You know, that right. if water comes in, it's not going to be a problem. But yeah, you're far enough back. I think we talked about this once. You're you are you're not in a floodplain per se, right? Which is surprising because we're not we're not that far from the beach, but the way Rehoboth is, we're 12 feet above sea level, which. Even though it's a five-minute walk to the beach, it's still pretty high up. So we're we're more like um, I don't want to say Oregon, whereas you know you're you're you pretty quickly go upgrade. But um, we're not right on a we're not right on flat land. Okay. So, All right. Yeah, so yeah, we don't flood, which is thank you know thankful. I'm thankful oh, for that. And aren't you happy since your old house, which was nowhere near the water? <laughs> The one in Philly. If you, you sneeze, you... if you sneeze, that house flood. I remember one time I called you. It was a sunny day here in New York. It might have rained down there, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "I'm pumping out the basement." I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you said uh, you said something like, you know, it must have drizzled somewhere out in Bucks County, and now the water came. Like you had water problems. Yeah. Yeah, that whole neighborhood. That whole neighborhood did, and and um, you know, it's just what it was. But uh, I talked to the new owners of the house, and they actually are quite happy with the house. I thought, thank God it got out of there this year because they've been inundated with water this year and uh, with, 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 uh, yeah. with rain all summer. But they love the house. They're delighted. They said it feels like home. I said, thank God. I suppose if they're, and if they're prepared and, and, you know, they're going to be doing work, the work that you didn't want to do yep. because you didn't want to be there another 20 years or something. But, all right, well, that was good to hear. So uh, in the spirit of moving along, we have a caught your eye. So what caught your eye? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. 
So John teased this in the beginning of the of the uh, of the show here, and it's about uh, a shortage which has happened. And this caught my eye. It's out of the Philadelphia Inquirer, but it's happening across the country. And so right now it's affecting the New York, New Jersey, um, Pennsylvania area. But it's a shortage of liquor and booze which is happening. <laughs> and what's happened is Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is an odd state in that they're all of the liquor is run by a state is run by the state. So the the liquor stores is all state controlled. So you don't independently own, right? Own a, a, a package store, a liquor store. It's uh, it's all state run. So they're now limiting. There's uh, 42 different products that are now limited to only two bottles per customer. And because there's a shortage and they said that what's happened is that alcohol sales have increased tremendously since the event in March, 2020. But now as we're starting to reopen and bars are reopening and people are drinking more in home, they said, coupled with, there's also now a shortage of glass and aluminum, and there's a lack of truck drivers and a lack of warehouse workers. So there's this. So uh, it's a labor, a, a compounding problem of a labor shortage. Is is the labor primarily responsible for this problem? Well, they said it's labor and it's availability of the glass and aluminum. And ah. you know, I, I I know a couple of friends of mine, and we have a good friend who uh, just went and got his uh, truck driver's license. He thought he'd pick up some extra money during the holidays because uh, there's a huge shortage of truck drivers for delivery of product as well. So um, th what they're saying is if you're planning on having a wedding or a big event this uh, this fall coming or even if you're planning for New Year's or the holidays, you might want to buy some of your stuff. Now, they're talking about people from New York and this one guy in New York City that has come down to Jersey and buying every every bottle of champagne he could find in Jersey because of the shortage, which is happening in New York city, he said, and they list the products here. So I was talking with some friends last night about this, about this was what we were going to cover on the show and they are having a anniversary party. And they had said, when I said we were talking about this, that they're going to start um, buying now for the holidays because they're having people over for Thanksgiving. And they're also doing this, uh, this anniversary party between Thanksgiving and, and new year's. And uh, to pick up the champagne or the bourbon and things that they want. So they listed they listed the products here that are most likely to um, the the products that are listed here are the ones that are going to be uh, limited that they're limiting now in Pennsylvania. And the ones that they know will have a shortage between now and probably they said indefinitely. Well, well, so right well, well, now in Pennsylvania, between now and in two bottles per person. Between I now and indefinitely. On, right. I could post on our Facebook page, which is. Focus Group Radio on Facebook. But I, I highlighted just a few of them because they're brands that you would know. So some of them are lots of bourbon brands. One of them was Blanton's. One was Buffalo. But more well-known brands, Dom Perignon Champagne, Don Julio Tequila, Don Julio Tequila Blanca, Jack Daniels, Old Number 7, Moet Chandon. Essentially, there were, looks like, 10 or 11 different uh, versions of the Moet Chandon Champagne. Uh, Patron Silver, 80 Proof, Vive Clicquot. Uh, champagne, the rosé, the yellow label, uh, all different size bottles of all the Vive Clicquot. So essentially, if you're looking for tequila, Jack Daniels, Hennessy, all the Hennessy cognacs, uh, tequila or bourbon, you might want to uh, stock up on it now uh, before the holidays because they expect there will be a shortage of this product between now and at least the end of the year. Vodka and gin seem to be okay. They not they yeah they weren't listed. It was really it was mostly bourbons. It was bourbon, uh, cognac, and champagne, and then some you know and tequilas. Bourbon, the, cognac, 
cognac. Bourbon, and, cognac. And uh, yeah, when I look here, it's, so what they're limiting right now is bourbon. Uh, if I go through the list here, bourbon, uh, some whiskeys, cognac, champagne, and tequila. Wow. Okay. Uh, this, I'm sure, will surprise many. It, it, it surprised me, which is why I kicked off the show with it, because I wouldn't expect a booze shortage. You know, it just seems like one of those products that they would figure out every way, shape, and form to get it to the shelf for the consumer, right? Yeah, so they say it's happening right now between uh, New York, New Jersey, and uh, Pennsylvania, but they expect it to start making its way across country. So, you, now was that we're uh, alerting you now? Were, were that was the uh, the folks you're talking to? Is that like Mark and Carl? Yeah. So they have an anniversary coming up. Well, they yeah. They, well, they were doing an anniversary party. I think it was for a family member. Oh, okay. And, uh, but they were going to be hosting at their house and. And they also, you know, they they entertain a lot during the holidays. They have a magnificent Christmas tree, and they they do. It's like big... two stories tall. Like I remember, yeah, yeah. I love their home. They have a beautiful home, and uh, <laughs> they also... and they do a New Year's they do a New Year's party. So they they entertain a lot. You know, we're... Say, oh, gosh, we better get bourbon. Not not that they're doing cases of bourbon, but they just you know. Well, maybe one case. Lots of Manhattan's. <laughs> When we come down to visit, I would love to hang out with those guys because uh, oh, they're def- they'll, they'll definitely too long. Host a dinner. I have a super short-ish caught my eye, and it caught my eye for a very, I'll read, well, okay, I'm just going to go into it. So here's the headline. Guest fight breaks out on Magic Kingdom ferry boat. (laughs) So headline. Yeah. So what this made me do is dig deeper into this, and it comes from something called WDWNT, which means Walt Disney World Network. Apparently, they have a whole website, and it's news-oriented, and it's very focused on the parks. And here's, here's the entire article. A fight broke out tonight aboard a Magic Kingdom ferry boat. A video shared by Instagram user Anna Chisholm shows the fight involving multiple guests. The incident took place aboard the Robert F. Irvine ferry boat. The incident is the second at the Magic Kingdom today. Earlier this evening, Tom Sawyer Island was evacuated due to a suspicious, possibly armed person in the area. <laughs> As always, keep following WDWNT for all of your Disney Parks news. And for the absolute latest, follow WDW News Today on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So, of course, me being me, I went to WDWNT.com. And the news is things like uh, new merchandise available at the store on Main Street or in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Virtual rides are going to be ending in favor of something else. But now and then sprinkled in was bad park behavior and i only this only really caught my eye because a i'm fascinated by disney world now tim last time we were in well you and i did you you weren't with me with disney world no i didn't go on the you went on uh, from the boat ride with andrew and bob our friend andrew okay we went on a a norwegian cruise line from new york down to uh cape hat well it was cape canaveral basically and you were ready to get off that boat I felt like a prisoner, but that's, <laughs> that's floating mall. Yeah, it was. I, after about three days, I decided I just better like surrender and enjoy. But we went to the Magic Kingdom, obviously at Disney World, and had a fun day. But I'm always been fascinated by the fact that it's this entire. It's it's like a country, right? So it's it's appropriate that they would have their own news and stuff like that. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember, but years ago, you and I did a piece about how Disney World had an entire team of people who were on the lookout for others who were spreading the ashes of loved ones at, right. at, at brides that they loved or like they had, and they would set up a, if they detected that was going on, they would like, it was a class one 
decontamination problem or something and they would send out a team to like get the ashes and you know and people were careful about how they did it but they had cameras everywhere watching so that's my uh you know I, as as other news comes in from uh the magic kingdom besides this fight breaking out and the video by the way was not that exciting it was uh, two women getting into a cat fight and the only thing that tragically happened was there was a stroller with a child in it and as the cat fight broke out the stroller kind of rolls out of frame and i'm wondering i wonder where the stroller's gonna end up but <laughs> weren't you gonna go down there for didn't they was a part of uh disney where they opened up the star wars exhibit star wars galaxy edge my friend uh, adrian and i had plans to go down but um you know, the event got in the way and uh, travel was made a little bit difficult. So we'll, we'll end up down there. Someday. My cousin, my cousin went down and showed a bunch of, he went down, had the VIP tour and everything. He was, he, if you go to my Facebook page, you could probably look him up. I'll give you his name and you can see the pictures. I don't know. He, he had a great, great time at the Dis star Wars thing. Yeah. He loved it. And, and, and the sets looked phenomenal. I mean, he was actually on, you know, they showed some of the life size, you know, sets of millennium Falcon and the yeah. whole, yeah. Uh, the, the guy we were just mentioning, Andrew, our old sales guy went down to galaxy's edge and he had an oh, he amazing, did? yeah, he had an amazing time, but he couldn't get on the best ride they have, which is called rise of the resistance, which is more like a live action, uh, virtual thing. Well, it was all, you had to sign up beforehand. It was virtual queues and virtual lines and so stuff like oh. that. So there you go, folks. We have a booze shortage headed our way for select liquors. And if you heard from Tim's list, you might want to stock up and, a fight broke out on a ferry in <laughs> Disney World, which led me to learn all about WDWNT.com. All right, as we uh, mentioned at the uh, top of the show, um, Deep Discount is a partner of ours here on the Focus Group, and we would invite you to uh, visit them by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Deep Discount logo. Now, it's a Criterion sale month this month, and I we are the biggest fans of the Criterion collection of movies going because of how they curate the discs, um, they add extra content like wonderful interviews or they'll have a director like do a voiceover for the whole movie. And I'm scrolling. If you happen to be watching on our YouTube channel, I'm scrolling through the um, some of the, the top page here. And we're giving away movies. Uh, this, And in fact, some of the movies are right here. Afterlife, Ashes and Diamonds, Company, Deep Cover, Bringing Up Baby. These are some of the movies that Criterion... What was Bringing Up Baby? Did you mention that before? Was that the one with... Uh, Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Kate Hepburn, and I believe it's a baby tiger. Okay. <laughs> so, And baby happens to be a baby tiger, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so these are some of the discs that uh, were given to us to, to give to you guys. And we're going to play a little game if you want to win. And uh, here's how it goes. I'm going to play the an audio clue from a movie. Uh, and if you know the title of the film this came from, by all means, drop us a line at letters at focusgroupradio.com. That's letters at focusgroupradio.com. Let me know the name of the movie. If it's an email you don't check too often, feel free to include your mailing address. We're only going to use it to send you a disc if you win. If it's something you check fairly frequently, I'll get back to you and say, hey, you won. And I'll ask for your address and I'll send you out a disc. We've played two weeks ago, we played the Pick That Flick. And I was going to, I thought I would tell you what the clues were from two weeks ago, but. Uh, I thought, no, I'll do it all at the end so no one gets confused. <laughs> he starts sending me the title of the, the game from two so weeks ago. Did a lot ago. of people win last? last so everybody yeah, we, everybody last got time. it, and we uh, a lot of people won. And uh, sometimes I, I like good guesses, too. So sometimes if I like a guess and it's not the right movie, I'll send you a pair of Focus Group Radio socks, which I've done in the past. Um, so, hey, it, it, it pays to play. So, again, letters at focusgroupradio.com if you know the name of it. 
Here is the clue from the movie they were using this week. You mentioned Berkeley. Are you going to ask Danvers next? Maybe. Before you commit to him, ask him the Sanskrit word for war and its translation. <laughs> now, last time we played this, I was accused of being a little easy in my selection of clues. Uh, so I'll play that again for us. You mentioned Berkeley. Are you going to ask Danvers next? Maybe. Before you commit to him, ask him the Sanskrit word for war and its translation. Now, I, I can't understand what she said. What was the first thing she said? I can, I, to me, I couldn't, I couldn't understand her. Oh, I'll play it again. Let's do it again. Uh, but she said, I, th she said I, th I think she says, you mentioned Berkeley. Here, let's listen again. You mentioned Berkeley. Are you going to ask Danvers next? Maybe. Before you commit to him, ask him the Sanskrit word for war and its translation. So she says, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned Ber Berkeley. Berkeley. Are you are you going to ask Danvers next? And he said, oh, and then okay. the male character says maybe. And she said, well, if you do, you know, ask him the following things. So uh, there's our uh, clues. And again, letters at focusgroupradio.com. It's the Criterion Collection sale. We want to thank Deep Discount and Criterion providing for providing us with a bunch of discs to give away. Some of the movies right here on the screen. If you happen to be watching YouTube, I'm giving away our Afterlife, Ashes and Diamonds, Company. Deep Cover, Bringing Up Baby. There's a couple others in there too, which I think you'll love. And it's a mix of Blu-ray and, and DVD. And in fact, if you have a preference for one or the other, just say, I want a DVD or a Blu-ray because some people don't have Blu-ray players, which... You know, one of my favorite Criterion discs, which I know isn't part of this, but I, I only thought of it because I had some friends over again this past weekend. And I have a, a painting that our friend Matt did of uh, Little Edie <laughs> hanging in there. And Criterion did a... They did a... Um, a uh, a treatment of gray gardens uh, as criterion and uh it, it's uh well done and so oh, i yeah. haven't watched it in a while though have you watched have you oh watched we watch once a, a year we watch once a year I Tim, watched, Tim, what's I the line? I watched it in quite a while i used to watch it a bit and i haven't watched it in quite a while you can't so wear maybe. red shoes on a thursday they'll get you for they'll get you in town for red shoes on a thursday yeah we we can't say enough about gray gardens order away right yeah so you can find that under the criterion collection as well so as john said Thanks to our friends at Deep Discount, and thanks to our friends at Criterion and uh, DeepDiscount.com, unsinkable since 19... I think it says 1991. Oh, no, 2001. Boy, my eyes are getting bad. I need new glasses, John. And you're anyway, head over now. to FocusGroupRadio.com, click on the Deep Discount logo, and if you know the guests this week, send it to John at letters at FocusGroupRadio.com. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now back to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Welcome back to the Focus Group. John Nash with Tim Bennett. Focusgroupradio.com is our URL, and you'll learn about us there and our partners, including Deep Discount. And if you want to do a quick rewind, 
to our deep discount segment, uh, be sure to play our game, pick that flick and, uh, enter to win have a chance to win one of several criterion collection discs. We only do this game. Well, I guess once a year, right? Criterion month, Tim. So, <laughs> so, uh, here we are in the back half. We're going to have business birthday and we have a shop talk about retirement. Actually, I should re- rephrase that and say the cost of long-term care and retirement, which I'm not sure we all factor into it, but Before that, we have our business birthday. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So, Mr. Nash, our business birthday today comes, uh, it's a female, which, you know, we rarely get uh, female business birthdays. So when I find one, I get excited and uh, I like to celebrate. What, is there some joke you used to tell about female? Female, female pajamas. Uh, female pajama. Well, is that is that what was that from? It was from it was from the skit. Remember in Living Color? It was either in Living Color or Mad TV. You, think... you, they can never play it now. No. I've actually tried to find it on on YouTube. You can't. So there was a it, it was a, and and those shows were predominantly African American cast. Yeah, yeah, they but were they hilarious. Had, they, they either had uh, Jim Carrey and they had the other woman and I can't remember her name. She was a white comedian, and she played a. Um, she played a uh, an employment agency person, and so she would come out, and she always struggled with the names of the of <laughs> That's the, right. the applicants. Now I remember this. Now I remember this. So she comes out <laughs> and she's yelling, you know, female pajamas. She got a she got a cigarette in her hand, and all the, the women are sitting out there, the the black women. She's yelling, female pajamas, female pajamas, and she's looking at the application, female pajamas, and then the girl finally catches on. She goes, "That's Famali Pajame. It's African." You know. <laughs> She, and she's like, whatever, come on back. But it's, you know, the crowd's going crazy laughing. Catherine it was Tate, to- Little Britain, Mad TV, In Living Color. I'm not so sure we would see these with some of the sketches they used to do, right? Well, the one that I still love is the one you and Bob had turned me on to. And I think this was Mad TV. They did QVC with uh, Evander Holyfield. Yes. And the two QVC hosts, which are politically incorrect. Again, the two white women. And they're doing the Hispanic, maybe they do Hispanic clothing or something, whatever. And they do Evander Holyfield. He's the boxer and he's there. And he comes out in this, someone comes out in this coat and they say, ooh, looks like faux leopard. And he looks at it and goes, faux five, maybe six leopard. <laughs> and the crowd goes nuts. I mean, it's, it's funny, I think. Unfortunately, but you're not allowed to laugh. No, no, not a, not that. All right, do you, do you want me to queue up, queue it up again? Or are we into business birthday? <laughs> are we into business? Yeah, <laughs> the Molly Pajame. So, um, so Ellen Church. So it's so female is our is our female birthday uh, today. She born September twenty second, nineteen oh four. She died August twenty second, uh, nineteen sixty five, at sixty years old. She was the very first flight attendant in the United States, and. Uh, but, and, but known as the very first stewardess in the world, you know, when we called them stewardesses, remember? Mm-hmm. And uh, because there was actually a German man who was the very first person who, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. But so she was the very first flight attendant. She was a trained nurse and a pilot. And she actually wanted to be a pilot and she wanted to fly commercial aircraft. But at the time, they wouldn't let women do that. So she was trying to figure out a way how she was going to get on a plane. I mean, God bless her, right? You got to yeah. figure out the ingenuity here. So, still wanting to fly, she successfully convinced Boeing Air Transport, BAT, B-A-T, that. Um, so she figured she 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 convinced this guy named um, Stephen Simpson, who was the manager of the San Francisco office at Boeing Air Transport. He um, he would not hire her as a pilot, but she said, you know, 
if you hired nurses to um, be on the flights, it would increase air safety and would also convince the passengers that flying was safe. So she convinced them to hire her to be on on the flights and kind of uh, be an attendant on the flight. And that's how this whole, you know, flight attendants or, or air stewardesses happened. And so they did hire her. Um, the first flight took off on May 15th, 1930. She was, as I said, originally from Iowa. She was a pilot and a registered nurse. And um, so he did he did this. Stephen Simpson did pass along the uh, the advice. And uh, when they put her on the on the plane, um, they didn't really know. They didn't have a name for these people. So they called them Sky Girls. <laughs> Sky so, Girl. OK, that's really Sky original. Girls. OK. And uh, and because she was so successful after the first flight, they decided they hired they were going to hire this um, group of Sky Girls. And they were trying to put a profile together what these Sky Girls would be like. So. Um, Boeing Air Transport was the first group to use these Sky Girls. You had to be a registered nurse. You had to be single. You had to be younger than 25 years old. You had to weigh less than 115 pounds. You had to stand uh, five feet four or less. You also, aside from attending to the passengers when necessary, you also had to help hauling luggage. You had to help fueling the plane. And you had to assist the pilots in pushing the plane into the hangar. I but like that last was, part. I like that last part. Get push out. Push the plane into the hangar. And, but the salary was quite good for the time. It was $125 a month. And uh, so she was, the, she was the very first. And uh, they said, as, as I mentioned earlier, but the very first, um, uh, first uh, steward or first flight attendant was a, a guy named, a German named Heinrich Kubis who they said uh, who, had, who had worked on a flight as an attendant in 1912. They said uh, her first flight when she left on, in, in May uh, 1930, so it was a 20-hour flight from Oakland, San Francisco, to Chicago. It made 13 stops. Can you imagine? That's like a bus going local, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So 13 stops and 14 passengers. You know, it would take them, I don't know how long to land and take off just to get the one, two, three, you know, okay, coming in for a land. All right, it's different then. Up and down, up and down. So, um, but as I said, it was a resounding success. And so a bunch of other airlines, as they came on board, they uh, they started hiring Sky Girls. She ended up, uh, only after 18 months, she um, had an injury from an automobile accident. So she had to stop uh, being a Sky Girl. And uh, she ended up becoming a nurse uh, full-time and uh, moved to Terre Haute, Indiana. And uh, she became, a later on in life, became a director of, the, of nursing and a hospital administrator. She sadly died um, in a horse-riding accident in 1965. But uh, the Cresco, Iowa Municipal Airport is named after her. It's the Ellen Church Field. I like her that. Honor okay, for cool. Being, for being the very first uh, flight attendant in the United States. And uh, the very first woman flight attendant in the world. So uh, congratulations, and uh, Ellen Church. So probably not wealthy, not not one of these you know captains of industry, but I thought recognition of her as uh, starting yep. an industry and starting a career uh, for many many people, which uh, have had a, had a uh, had a lifelong career as flight attendants. And you know those jobs, those folks, particularly now, 
are really earning their keep with all the idiots that have been on the planes lately that we read about, right? They practically have to know jujitsu and self-defense. It's an excellent business birthday. Thank you. And uh, I, I think it's cool she has an airport named after her, too. That That's a yeah. cool one. Uh, before we jump into our cost of uh, medical care or long-term care in retirement, um, we got a note from one of our listeners, Mark. He actually won our last uh, Criterion Collection giveaway. And he sent a fun note in. Tim, I read it to Bob. I think you'll uh, love it. I was wondering if you and Tim would ever consider doing a show on a topic that I'm struggling with right now as a 52-year-old man. What to do with your memorabilia and your Star Wars collection as you get older? Throw it away. No. (laughs) To sell or not to sell? (laughs) When is it time to say goodbye to your playbills and Star Wars figures? I'm asking because many like myself have been wiped out by the event financially, physically, and mentally, which I think is such a great statement, right? Money, one thing, but physically and mentally, this has been a tough two years. Is it time to unload dust collectors and items sitting in closets and start a new life that is carefree and no longer burdened by things? I think we can do a show about this and talk about it. And I would love to actually, because you just went through it selling your house in Glenside and you spent many, many, many days, painful days, making these decisions about, do I keep it? Do I not? Do I keep it? Do I not? Right. We did this when we moved uptown to our new apartment. We do it all the time at the house because it's a small house. We don't have that much storage space. And, um, what do you think? I mean, I know for me, uh, like here's an example. I have a box of Hardy boy books, my original collection. I think I have 52. Remember the blue spine Hardy boy book. That's what I have. I don't know what to do with it. I'd love to give it to some parent who has a son or a daughter growing up who might want to read the Hardy Boys. I mean, they're still published as paperbacks nowadays. But what do you do with it, right? I, I'm staring at it thinking, you know, I go on eBay. I can maybe get $5 for the collection. You know, you know what I'm getting at? It's like, what do you do? Yeah, so you're exactly right. I, I um, In selling my house, I had – so I'd collected a bunch of Lucy memorabilia over the years. And Lucy – I had some Lucy um, lunch boxes and books and dolls and figurines, all kinds of stuff and ceramic things. And I uh, – and then I also had um, – when I was little, I collected salt and pepper shakers from yes, different travels. And then I also collected these uh, on top of light poles when we would go up to Canada. They used to take them off. They were called isolators, these little glass isolators. I love um, isolators. I know exactly what you're talking about. Insulators. Insulators. It looks like like almost like three little donuts put together sometimes, or it's like a triangular shape. Yeah. And then I also have um, a bunch of Japanese alarm clocks, which yell at you in, in Japanese, which the Japanese always told me was really Korean or Chinese with bad Japanese accents. So, but I have, I have those. So I had to make a decision and then I had a bunch of books yeah. and I, th- and nobody would take the books. Libraries wouldn't take them, which was sad, um, uh, because of the event. And then I couldn't give them away and I tried selling them. I, I had, so at my yard sale, I even put free on a lot of them and there was a couple yeah. that came in and they did take a bunch of them, which I was happy to see them go and happy to have somebody enjoy them. But there were lots of books that, um, and you and I had received a lot and from the out days that just people did not want. And finally I had to just, Tragic. you couldn't even recycle them, throw yeah. them away. You're talking to the, you're speaking to the parade here because I, I donated some books to our local library upstate. They only took the art books. The ones yeah. that, you know, you, either out of print or hard to find. But they, then the woman told me the reason they didn't take books from normal people is because they used to, libraries get library editions. I guess the book is bound and sewn up a different way to last longer. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. 
I didn't realize that. But I had a beautiful collection of albums, record albums, probably from the late 70s through maybe the late 80s, early 90s. And they were all created in perfect shape. And it moved with me probably 13 or 14 times. And there was this young kid that came down the the driveway, like this little dirtbag DJ. And we're watching him go through. And he's going through the albums. And I had $3 an album or something on him. And he said, how much for the whole lot? And I remember if it was Matt or Richard blurts out, 60 bucks. He took him. And he... He looks at it and he said, I, I, he said, I can't argue with you for this. He goes, this, this stuff looks like it's in great shape. And I said, what are you going to do with it? And he, he said, you know, I, I, I really love this sort of stuff. And I thought, you know what, it's going to have a good home. What am I going to do with it? And I, so I let that go. The Lucy stuff had gone. Um, I did keep the Japanese clocks. I kept some of my college fraternity paddles and things. Some stuff got ruined and, and wet yeah, in, the, yeah. in my basement that you talked about flooding. But I had a couple of composites and things I saved. But and I kept the insulators because of my grandparents. Um, That's a memory. To that. Yeah. But I got rid of the salt and pepper shakers. So I. So it's funny that uh, the listener Mark sent this because there are things like the Hardy Boy books and like the Japanese clocks I have or some of these fraternity things. I don't know. I still don't know what to do with. And I have them here. I actually have. I should move the camera. I've got three tubs here of stuff. Plus yeah. I, have a, I have socks yeah. to you. I'm sending you a box of socks. Thank you. But. Um, I do have stuff that I'm not ready yet to figure out what to do with, and I'm sure maybe maybe in a year, hold or on maybe to it. three years or two years or something I will, but I'm not quite ready. Yeah, so hold I on. No, that's a good question, but I, it does feel better to be. You've never had you've never had a lot of things. You've never collected a lot. Oh, I collect. I just purge. No, but you've never you've you've always been good about purging. Yeah, well, you I know, think when you I'm would, good. when you would buy a new shirt, you throw a shirt away. No, or two. You, give, you donate a shirt. New one comes in, two goes out. Three come in, four or five go out. But <laughs> I never, I never did that. You know, you would buy. You always said that if you bought a jacket or you bought a shirt, it's got, you were always got like, to okay, go. One has to yeah. go. You were always like that, though. You never use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. Such a puritan. All right, we're gonna thank you, for Mark. Uh, so, Mark, yes, we are gonna talk about this later because Mark also had a second part of his question about jobs, etc. So as well, we what, te- so what 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 was what, what's your recommendation? Purge, get rid of it. Photograph the stuff you love. You can always look at the pictures later. Save one figure out of twenty as a reminder of that kind of thing. Symbolic. I always like memory symbols like this. Rep- like your yeah. your insulators. This represents this. This represents right. that. All right. So our shop talk, as we mentioned earlier, is uh, most retirees will need long term care. These are the best way to pay for it. So the article immediately jumps into the cost. And that's where you just kind of like say, oh, my Lord, the median cost of a private room in a nursing home was one hundred and five thousand a year, if I got that right. And in-home care costs ranged from fifty three thousand to fifty four thousand annually, according to Jen Worth's 2020 cost of care survey. Of course, these costs vary by location, and the example they gave was thirteen thousand five hundred a month in Massachusetts versus seven thousand six hundred a month in Tennessee. Um, so, long-term care represents a major challenge. Approximately seventy percent, which I think the uh, well, actually, they say here seventy percent of retirees will probably need at least two to three years. Well, here, here, I love this two point two. Men typically need 2.2 years of care. Women need 3.7. So that's when you're at a, at the stage where you have to be taken care of in a surrounding where you're you know you, you're uh, less risk of falling. There's someone there to take care of you. So the big question of the day is how do you pay for this? And as Tim said earlier in the broadcast, some of us think about it, some of us don't. I 
I guess the eternal optimist in me says, I hope to stay physically active and healthy and may not lead this, but you never know, right? Well, part of me, so there was, before we get into the health issue of this, so this reminded me, I remember we did a story, it was, oh gosh, it's probably 10 years ago now, but there were people that were uh, realizing that the cost of retirement, it was actually cheaper to go stay on a cruise ship or go to a hotel. <laughs> yeah, there was that woman who actually lived on a cruise ship. She had a mailing address in Florida. I think it was a child, one of her child uh, children. Um, but she cruised around, and I guess she had services like the onboard doctor and stuff like that. Right, and then there's and then there's people that if you average it out, say it was a hundred dollars a night for a hotel room, right? And then so over three hundred sixty-five, what's that, thirty-six thousand a year or something? Yeah, whatever the number would be. And you get your room cleaned. You get your 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 linens done. Your bed changed. Your room cleaned every day. Sometimes you get free breakfast. Yeah, but in, in so, her case, <laughs> if she ever got ill enough that she couldn't leave that cabin, they would she would have to leave the ship and go to long term care. And that's what this is kind of. De- I, I I love what you're saying though, because you could really get your costs down to a known figure. Um. So in terms of long term care, uh, many of us are familiar with the insurance industry used to offer. Very few companies do. In fact, I think there might only be two or three companies that actually offer long term health care or long-term care insurance. Um, the premiums range from $1,300 a year to $4,000 a year. You know, a healthy 55-year-old woman may spend $2,000 to $6,000 a year for a coverage. And again, there's a 50% chance you'll never need that policy. So it's, and, and often people buy these when they're cheaper in their 30s and 40s. So you have many, many years of paying a premium that's increasing. And then I mentioned this to my doctor years ago. He just made a face and he just said, try collecting on it. Try, try using that policy. He said, have you really read this fine print? And I, it just made me stop. And I, I did not investigate that any further. Well, that's what I was going to say. I I've known people who have done this where they paid in all these years and then it, you're exactly right. Then, then it becomes, well, wait a minute. I paid in all the, I paid in for 25, 30 years. And now you're telling me that there's for whatever reason I can't, because I had Whatever the ailment was, oh, that wasn't covered under the Correct. you know exceptions clause or something, and then you wonder to yourself, well, why did I pay in all this all this time? And that's why I've I've always stayed clear of life insurance and all those sort of insurance policies for that reason because I don't I'm not sure I've known anybody who's ever successfully collected. I know when my grandmother had died, and she had paid in for years for insurance. We at the end for for burial, you know what they ended up getting a thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Toward, toward her, toward her funeral, and I thought that that's insulting. This poor, well, my grandmother would scrape, and you know, every month she would pay in her her premium twenty three dollars or whatever the premium was, and at the end of life, you know, toward her burial, I think she got you know a thousand dollars is what we got to help for funeral expenses, which, you know, was a thousand dollars, but she probably paid in you know fifty thousand dollars over over the life. course of the period. Yeah, so you know that's. Another insurance product, which is interesting, which this article talks about, is called hybrid long-term care coverage. And the policies, these are policies that are part annuity, part long-term care coverage. And what happens is the health insurance provider purchases or takes your assets. I'm not sure if that includes your home or not, but what you you get in return is a monthly guaranteed payment, period, end of report, and coverage for long-term care. So if you are a couple, like a husband and wife, and uh, you're you're both in in the in the zone of possibly needing this. This could be a kind of blessing in a way because it gives you the 
confidence of having a monthly uh, income stream. You don't have to worry about your investments anymore. And if something happens, coverage, the long-term care coverage will be taken care of by this policy. Something tells me this might be um, an interesting thing for people to look into, especially depending on where they're at in the timeline. If they're in their 60s or 70s, you know what I mean? It's like one of those things. I've heard about it from a number of people who are going through this with parents. Um, and this seems to be the option they're drifting towards because the other option is that you don't have the funds, I guess, right? I mean, it's really it's really crazy. Well, if you don't have the funds, is that when does Medicaid kick in and then it helps? See, I, I'm not prepared for this, I will say. I've, I've certainly done everything I'm supposed to do, I think, from a retirement standpoint to say, okay, save for your retirement. And I have saved money um, like we were to told to do, probably better than maybe most of my peers. But I don't plan on if I had some sort of um, catastrophic health issue, it would be chewed up one, two, three. And we, we both know friends whose parents have had, you know, have, have saved. And yep. what was Steve Dilworth's line, the house always wins. House always you wins. Know, his, his mom, for instance, we know had to go into long-term care and, you know, within three years, all her savings, which should have lasted her her lifetime um, due to some health issues was just wiped out. Yeah. And, and so, you know um, that that could happen and it's rolling the dice, right? I, I don't know. And I, all of it is so, in, in all honesty, retirement savings, you know, I have a friend who's both his parents died in their sixties and um, he's like, well, I'm planning to save to live to my nineties, but my parents didn't. I mean, it's, it's a hard conversation, and especially this long-term care one. So, you know, it looks like there are possibly two different approaches people took. Long-term health care, if you were lucky enough to get those policies when they are being written, and this other thing, a hybrid insurance and annuity policy to look into. And, of course, if you have savings that are enough to cover some of these expenses in the realm of 100000 a year, whatever it could be, these are some of the things you could look into. Yeah, or, you know... Find yourself a young chippy to come in and take care of you. Someone just said that the other day. I don't know where I was. They said, we, you know, you save your money because you're going to need to have someone come in and better be a young chippy to take care of you. Yeah. Get in there. Yeah, I got a euro with your name on it. <laughs> got a I, euro. I, you know, that was one of our favorite. That was Rome. That was Rome. Yeah. Well, I was cleaning and I found some euros in my desk and I just, I immediately thought of that and laughed. For you and I were, <laughs> we were dead so tired laying there. So and the tired. Maid comes in in Italy. Get in here. Because a year with your name, name on it. On it. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else finds our humor funny. I did. Well, we always, that was our, the charm of you and me is we can crack each other up no matter what. Even if the whole room is dead silent, we can crack each Remember other up. Remember, she was up. so apologetic and back here, get in here. Yeah, yeah. In, my, in, my, in my briefs and my t-shirt. Like, she's probably seen worse. I can, I can only hope. The Americanos hey. in room 505, in the day room. It was a day room. Remember, it was a day room. You were like, Was that where we were? Was it a day yeah, room? Comrade arranged a day room for us. Yeah. Anyway. You're, you're much better at that than I am. Remembering that. Memory. Stuff, so. Yeah. It was your birthday, too. Lucky you. That um, was my 40th. I celebrated on the top of the top deck of a basically a yacht. So, how long ago was that? Now, many years ago. I'm not going to give you the number, but it was a long time ago. Now that I'm thinking ago. about it, I'm thinking eight years ago. It was eight years ago. So, hey, thanks for joining us here on The Focus Group. We appreciate it. Uh, we're here every Wednesday. Be sure to head over to focusgroupradio.com. You'll find all of our media house there. Also, we've got uh, Criterion Sale going on, so be sure to, if you missed it, rewind 
and play pick that flick and send your guests to letters at focusgroupradio.com. Thank you, John. We hope you all have a good week. Take care. It's the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.